I just tried to be the best little waiter they ever had. Since I didn't have a college degree, I thought I better have a good attitude. And next thing I know, about a year and a half later, I got promoted into a management training program in the accounting group and did a good job there. They transferred me to Chicago, to the Hilton, and then to the Waldorf Astoria in New York, and then to Terrytown Hilton up by the Tappan Zee Bridge in New York, and then to Los Angeles. And there I left Hilton. I wasn't very happy with a six-day work week. So I left, took a job, uh, ended up at Marriott, stayed there 17 years, became the vice president of food and beverage planning for the company, worldwide actually. And that's only because I'd become an expert in the food business. I'd been a cook, I'd been a waiter, I had been in accounting, finance. I knew the business deeply. I'd run restaurants. You know, I always tell kids today, you know, yeah, it'd be great if you get a college degree, but if you don't, you can still learn. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast. And I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Hello there, it's Amy Calandrino and welcome back to the next episode of the Performance Mindset Podcast. After over a decade of providing expert commercial real estate and advice to business owners and investors, I want to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. So today I'm excited to have Lee Cockerell as a guest on the show. He is a former executive VP of operations for Walt Disney. World Resort, which is right in my backyard as I'm in Orlando. One of Lee's major and lasting legacies was the creation of Disney Great Leader Strategies, which was used to train and develop the 7,000 leaders at Walt Disney World. Before joining Disney in 1990, he held various executive positions with Hilton Hotels and the Marriott Corporation. Now he's dedicated his time to public speaking, authoring several books, including this one, which is how we first connected. And you have 10 common sense leadership strategies, customer service rules, and he performs leadership and service excellence workshops and consulting for organizations around the world, including for Disney Institute. So I'm super excited to have him on the show as many of the attitudes of Disney as far as customer service is concerned and processes and leadership develops is so congruent with with my brand and the way I think that I was like, I have to reach out. And so thanks for being here. Yeah, Amy, thank you. Good to see you. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. How did you end up in the hospitality industry? Uh, I don't know. I went, I grew up (laughs) in Oklahoma on a little farm. I tell her, but we were so poor. We didn't even have indoor plumbing back in those days. And uh, my grandkids don't believe me when I tell them that, but my brother and I didn't know any better. We thought when you're a kid, nothing bothers you really, as long as you get dinner. But it was kind of dysfunctional. My mother was married five times and I've been adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16, my husband number four. And uh, I tell my wife I'm still totally normal, but uh, (laughs) she and I've been married 54 years. So I'm getting the family average down on those marriages. 
And uh, so uh, I uh, just lived in Oklahoma. I didn't know anything. I'd never been on vacation. I'd never, I didn't watch the news, read the paper. I was just <laughs> in my own little world and grew up and, and number four had money. So I got to go to college uh, and uh, I went to Oklahoma State for two years and promptly flunked out because I didn't go to class and screwed around and uh, went in the army in 1964. And when I got out of the army, eventually uh, I met a guy in the army. He said, you want to go to D.C. with me, Washington? I'm going to open the Washington Hilton Hotel up on Connecticut Avenue. That's where Ronald Reagan got shot back in 81 uh, uh, by, John, by John Hinckley. And uh, so I said, sure. I, I had never been anywhere. I'd never been in a hotel. And I got a job as a banquet waiter. And I even served LBJ once at the head table and Ted Kennedy and all these people. Because somebody taught me the business and started showing me how to do things. And I'm a pretty quick learner on that kind of stuff. Not good in school, but I'm pretty good at on-the-job training. Yes. I, I just tried to be the best little waiter they ever had. Since I didn't have a college degree, I thought I better have a good attitude. And next thing I know, about a year and a half later, I got promoted into a management training program in the accounting group and did a good job there. They transferred me to Chicago, to the Hilton, and then to the Waldorf Astoria of New York, and then to Terrytown Hilton up by the Tappan Zee Bridge in New York, and then to Los Angeles. And there I left Hilton. I wasn't very happy with the six-day work week, and my boss was kind of a terrorist. So I left, took a job, uh, ended up at Marriott, stayed there 17 years, became the vice president of food and beverage planning for the company, worldwide, actually. And that's only because I'd become an expert in the food business. I'd been a cook. I'd been a waiter. I had been in accounting, finance. I knew the business deeply. I'd run restaurants. You know, I always tell kids today, you know, yeah, it'd be great if you get a college degree. But if you don't, you can still learn. Experience and exposure are two of the big ones. And um, because a lot of the stuff you learn in school won't last. But experience does and exposure and it helped. It worked for me. So I ended up uh, staying with Marriott 17 years, got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open Disneyland Paris. My wife insisted I take that job <laughs> so she could go live in Paris. And uh, we stayed there three years. My son fell in love after he got out of Boston University because he came over and he now has a French wife. And we have three grandkids that are half French and half English. And, and uh they're now 27, 24, and 21. One of them goes to college in France, and the other two are out working. And uh, I just started this business after I left Disney, and I was 62. I decided to retire. I thought there's more to do than die at your desk. So uh, I started this consulting business, and I wrote, uh, I've written six books now, and just for fun. And um, I said, I've writ writ written six books, but I don't know where the commas go. So I, since I didn't do it too well in school, so I hire people to put the commas and the semicolons in. <laughs> so, but it's fun. I love the consulting. I love working. You know, people say, why do you do this, Lee? Why don't you just go away and retire and lay on the couch? And I said, you know what? I like it. It's my golf game. People clap. <laughs> and I need that. I'm very insecure. So uh, when I play golf, nobody claps. So I just do this. And I... I really came around a few years ago thinking, you know, the people, be a teacher instead of a boss. And I love teaching and I love the feedback I get from people to say, thanks for showing me that or teaching me that or having that conversation with me or whatever. So it's fun and I get paid and <laughs> 
And uh, it's just something I'm lucky I fell into something I just love to do. I really get a buzz out of going and presenting. I've got several coming up next couple of weeks. And what are you going to do if you don't do something after you retire? They told me, don't watch TV right. during the don't watch TV during the day. <laughs> so I got to have something to do. So it's it's great. It's just uh, been turned out to be wonderful. I do it all over the world. I've been to Iraq during the war for did 13 seminars for the military been to Kuwait, China, India, I mean, you name it, 48 countries now I've done business in. And when I left Oklahoma, I'd never been anywhere. <laughs> so I was exposure and experience really helps you a lot. It's interesting how adaptable you are. Like you have been to all these different places, but then you have almost kind of, there's been breadcrumbs almost along the way that you've been able to kind of pick up something from here and something from there that's kind of brought this all together to where you are now. Yeah, I think when you think about the Army, I learned a lot about discipline. There's a way to do yes. it. You do it that way. You don't, and then, you know, when I went to Marriott, there's a Marriott way. There's a Hilton way. There's certainly a Disney way. And I learned a lot about structure and process and uh, making, you know, at, uh, Southwest Airlines once said, there's a best way to land a plane. So let's just do it that way. Everybody. <laughs> and I think about that in your business. As you learn the best way, then we should all be doing it. Then if a year from now you learn a better way, then we all do that. And uh, right. that was a good learning for me. To, uh, you got to have a, you got to be organized. That's why the time management book, you got to be yes. organized or you'll just end up with more anxiety and depression, <laughs> everything coming at you today. And people ask me, which book should my people read first? I say time management, because until you can get it done, you don't need to know more. You've got to learn how to organize yourself and make the right priorities and the right decisions. And you got to learn to say no. And you've got to, you got to be where you got to be. And uh, you got priorities like your daughter. She's your number one priority. And yes. you've got to be able to take care of that. And uh, I think the time management book for me, because I, I went to that class 40 years ago and it really, it really opened my eyes that I could do so much more that and a lot of that's not keeping people happy you got to make hard decisions you got to do hard things you yes. got to but that's what leaders do and that's what mothers do yes. yeah <laughs> it's i said mothers and i'm trying to get leaders to understand this mothers lead their children with empathy and discipline and they give them both and if people in business would understand your job is empathy and discipline you do it for your daughter because you love her so much you want her to be successful and managers need to think about that, too. You need to do it because you want them to be successful. And there are some bad news some days. You wait till she's 13 and you guys get into it, you know, <laughs> and she's going to think you're the most unreasonable person for making her come home. And her. Yeah. So I think it's just that clear that leadership is full of hard things, but very satisfying and you make a difference in people's lives. And that's where I've, I didn't, I didn't even know what leadership was when I was at some of my early jobs. I was just trying to get ahead, get the company car, get a stock, you know, get a promotion. It was all about me. And I had to go through a big transition to learn it's not about me. It's about helping all the other people. And that took me a long time because I was this kind of insecure kid that wanted to be successful. So I didn't trust anybody. So today I've learned, eventually, I guess you mellow. <laughs> so, and it's helped my marriage too, to not be in control. Yeah. Controller, people in control don't last long. Yeah. So, 
I think you go through phases in your life too, that you want to just achieve, achieve, achieve. And that's great because, you know, you think of Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, if, if they weren't focused on that achievement, then, then they were, but then you become, I think more well-rounded as, as you, as you, as you develop. And, and I don't think you, you could be a leader at like day one. I think it, like it develops over time. Oh, it it absolutely does. And I think about people like Tom Brady and all these other famous people, but something happens in their lives that's not so happy. And, uh, you know, you got to, you got to really keep that, you know, as my wife said, you're not the executive vice president here, Lee, take the trash out, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, don't get, don't start thinking your hot stuff. That's, the, that's the beginning of the end. Mm. Uh, don't fall in love with yourself. And that's a lot of people do that. And it's mostly it's insecurity. I want to be somebody, you know, I don't know what we're trying to. I said, I'm not trying to make a lot of money. I'm trying to just make, <laughs> so, yes. you know, I don't need excess when I die. <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting thing to go through in your life is to understand the impact you have on other people and the influence you have every day. And that's why I tell everybody, be careful what you say and do. People are watching you and judging you, especially that little girl you got there. She's going to watch every single thing you say and do. And whatever mommy says and does is that's the right way. Yes. And so if the listeners have a little bit of background, we were actually going to record the podcast earlier this morning, but fate intervened that (laughs) he's like, oh, it'll work better to do it in the afternoon. And like, not within like just a few minutes after that, the school called that I had to go get her because she was getting (laughs) there so so it worked out but I had to put that first and then you know this will always you've got to put the important stuff first because you you can't ignore those kinds of responsibilities absolutely and I had a Al Weiss I reported to for 13 years at Disney and one day I had a big meeting with him and Priscilla needed me to she wasn't feeling good and wanted me to do something I called him said no I can't make it Al you know Priscilla needs me to do something for her and he said Lee if I ever found out you weren't taking care of your family first, I would be very disappointed. And I thought that was what a nice support. And that's leadership, you know, making me feel okay about that. Because you wake up in the morning and go to places that love you, <laughs> you know, not where they annoy you. And uh, he, he was very understandable and reasonable. And it helped me perform better, knowing that I was appreciated. So I think uh, all those things add up eventually. I think it's a good, an example of a great leader. I mean, I have had some clients in the past where have not been empathetic and, you know, <laughs> unrealistic demands on, on you, but it's nice when you can be in an environment, whether you're an employee or potentially you are the entrepreneur, I think it, it needs to be all around you, those kinds of people in your support system that are that way. And if you don't do it now with the times we're in with turnover and pe- young people are not going to put up with that nonsense of being commanded, you better change. I said, the, I wrote a little paper the other day. It said the world has changed. Have you, <laughs> or you're not, you're going to be standing in your business alone because I can tell you from, I see my grandkids, they will not tolerate not being treated respectfully and having time off and having a life and their life is not about money. It's about a whole life. You know, and I read something recently that the young generation today, they consider everything before they take a job, not just the title and the pay like I did all those years. They consider everything. They're much more thoughtful. So it's a good thing for listeners to think about. 
Because you can't you can't have regrets later that you wish you had spent more time with your daughter, or you wish you had exercised, or you wish you had, <laughs> as I said, wished you'd told your wife you loved her before she left you. <laughs> so, someone once told me that they've never seen a U-Haul behind the 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 um what do they call it that you put the the casket in after the after after the funeral? Oh, the hearse. I guess the hearse. Yeah, they never they never see one of those U-Haul trailers <laughs> behind the hearse, and I was like. That's funny. I'm going to keep that in my mind because, you know, it's just one of those things. And and you're right. Like, I think people's greatest regrets is that they they maybe should have, you know, spent more time with their family. But the only way you can do that is if you have some organization and and you have some awareness and intentionality and and boundaries. So talk about like at one time, what was the most number of people under you? At one point, well, when I was at Disney World, it was about forty thousand and yeah. about five thousand managers. So, but I had a great team. I people ask me, "What'd you do at Disney?" I said, "Nothing. I just had <laughs> great people. I had I hired the best people and left them alone, let them do their job." And uh, I said, "My job wasn't to run those things. It was to make sure I had the right people running them that knew what they were doing." It's so technical now; you can't know everything. You know, engineering and security and transportation and retail and food and beverage and no. And that's where you see these people having, you know, anxiety. Anxiety is really a big problem now around the world. I mean, students, even in grade school, students, parents, uh, older parents, grandparents. Uh, there's a, I think uh, people, I, I dealt with a university recently. It said that 40% of the new freshmen needed counseling, mm. mental health counseling. And this is all this you know, it's they say it's not stress that kills you, it's distress when you don't have things under control. It's just one thing after another. Yeah. You didn't do the right thing. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I said, if you're going to have regrets, have them early. <laughs> so, you know, so you can get back on track. And uh, yeah, it's life is hard to figure out what's the best part of life. And it is. You'll find out it's your family. Well, I think that part of it is too, that there's so many options. Like I would tell you 20 years ago, well, yeah, about 20 years ago back, you know, when you'd call someone and say, Hey, I'm going to have a a party at my house, or you'd mail them an invitation. People would give you like a firm yes or no. And now there's just so many things and people don't want to say yes or no, or maybe I do a lot of uh, things for different charities and it's so hard to tell. I think there's just so many different options. And I think that creates anxiety because how is how is anybody going to know they're doing the right thing when there's so many options? That's true. And that's why, uh, you know, we always talk about planning time to sit down and think about what you're going to get done this week, what you're not going to do and what you're going to do. And because uh, what people get in trouble more, not for what they do, it's what they don't do, you know, what they let go. And by the way, I tell everybody, you and I, we all have two or three things we've been putting off because they're hard and yes. we don't deal with them. And we, I had a, a client in Brazil the other day tell me, he said, Lee, you've been talking about this for weeks with us, about uh, have the right people in your business and get rid of the bad people. And he said, we had a manager for 22 years. She was terrible. Hmm. And uh, nobody liked her, but she was part of the family. But right. we, fired, she, we fired her last year. Yeah, last week, and we're so happy now. Right. <laughs> and he's, I said, okay, but when should you have done that? He said, I should have done it ten years ago. Yeah. I mean, there you go. When you 
the regrets you have when you don't do the right thing. And usually the right thing is a hard and the hard things are right. <laughs> so really, when you think of something's really hard, you probably ought to do it. <laughs> I just went through something very, very, very hard and I'm still, still lots of uh, fallout from it. But the way the people have reacted afterwards just reaffirmed to me that, because I mean, somebody doesn't have that opinion of you right away like if the if you are feeling that level of animosity towards someone that that's been brewing and so just shows to me that they it was it was wrong all along and i should have done something much sooner somebody told me the other day said once you figure out that some of your relatives and some of your friends don't like you <laughs> you will you will come to some new conclusions about people <laughs> because you got to stay out of the you got to stay away from the wrong people in the wrong culture yeah. because it will take you down with them it's hard to do that i mean you know it's a thought i have every day I'm, are you spending the right time am i making the hard decisions am i doing the hard thing am i do i have the guts to Talk, have the hard talk, talk with somebody about their performance. Um, you won't have any trouble having it with your daughter because you love her so much. You you won't wait for her annual review. You'll do it on the spot. Right. But somehow we get into business and we forget that. I don't know. We just let it go. And I think that I think going back to you talk about the empathy and the discipline and how that comes together. I think that as leaders too, that you just have to have the discipline to not sweep under the rug the the things you don't want to deal with because it's just gonna it's not gonna get any better. It's gonna get worse if you don't deal with it. And it chips away at your health. You don't sleep well because you're worried about it, you're thinking about it, you wake up in the night. Uh, when you have two or three hard things you're putting off, it does affect you. So you wake up, you don't feel well, then you procrastinate. Because you know when we don't feel well, we don't do the hard things. We kind of, well, later, I'll do it maybe next week. And next thing you know it's next year and then it's 10 yeah. years then. And I would tell you, I've learned one thing. Sleep is the biggest problem in this country. People are not getting enough sleep. They're not feeling well. They're annoyed. I think everybody in the country is angry about something right now. And it's because they don't feel they don't feel well. And you got to really think about are you getting the right exercise and diet and sleep, 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 sleep. I know that better. I mean, I I didn't always get enough sleep because I didn't understand how the impact of getting seven or eight hours makes such a big difference. And I get seven or eight every night because yeah. I made that a focus. I, I wake up with a lot of energy, you know, and to go out and speak or be on your feet all day or deal with people. When you're a leader or a m- mother, you got to have energy. Yes. This, this little girl will drain you. Uh, and uh, and I said, also, I'm in the ozone. And people say, what's that? I said, the obituary zone. I got to take care of myself. I'm, I'm going to be eight. I'm going to be 80 next year. Oh, you no. know? Yeah. So, it becomes pretty, and too many people wait too late to start doing the really right things, like uh-huh. take care of your health. <laughs> my wife told me my number one priority is take care of myself so I can take care of her. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good way to think about it. You know, yeah. if you're not here. I think too with the sleep is I have friends that are constantly shocked that I, I sleep trained my children. There's been a trend recently that so many pediatricians, they want the kids to sleep in your room until they're one and do this co-sleeping thing. And that's fine. I just tell my friends that I'm 1980 style and they're, <laughs> my kids are going to be in, in their bed. And, and with the second child, I brought in a night nurse and to, to help facilitate the process. And that equipped me to still be able to get the sleep and be the good wife and to be the good 
and be completely on and keep things going. And uh, today still I prioritize it. And I have to tell my kids they're not allowed to go and go into my room. I know you want to give me a hug in the morning, but unless it starts with a seven (laughs) or later, you're not allowed. Red light, red light, not allowed in. (laughs) Well, that discipline will pay off for you and them. You know, we all have habits just as long as you have the good ones. (laughs) You know, that leads me to something I'm thinking, too, is that, you know, whether it's a leader or parents or anything, if you don't have the discipline and intentionality to to give that feedback to those around you, whether it's a child or an employee or anything, I felt that there's been it's become worse, you know, the last 10 or so years, everybody gets a participation trophy. Nobody's getting the negative feedback. And, and I think probably too, when people are going through these difficult situations they are even worse because of how we've been training those coming up. Absolutely. Let me tell you, children like discipline, yeah. it makes them feel safe. They like rules. That's even in school. That's, I worry about teachers and faculty having not enough authority to have rules Right. You know, you got a behavior, uh, attitude, how you treat each other, bullying, because at the end of the day, every organization that's successful has clear rules and regulations kind of, you know, whether yeah. it's Hilton, Marriott, Disney, uh, the Army, because you have chaos if you don't have that and uh, in an organization, at least. And I agree with you. It's, uh, yeah, that's exa- you're right on target because uh, you won't yeah. have to. Yeah, exactly. Good for you. But I'm, I am lucky. I have a lot of people that work either in my house to help care for my children so I can do what I do, or even in my company that are high schoolers or early in college. And I think as long as they come from a family that that had that discipline, and I find that actually they all kind of know each other here in Orlando. Like, I guess, like people are around like people, and they all tend to come from the parents that parents. <laughs> so well, it's true. I mean, the discipline, my mother didn't have any help at all, but we had clarity, you know, and we did what we were told to do because she didn't play around. And so we snapped it. <laughs> You know, I tell my, I tell everybody, my mother was a terrorist before they had them in the world. I mean, she was clear and she wanted us to be successful. And, uh, you know, here I ended up running Disney World. My brother's an orthopedic surgeon. We were the first two to even go to college. But I look back at her discipline of there's a way to do it. That's the way we do it. Reliability. Keep your promises. Do what you say you're going to do. Get yes. along with people. Uh, be nice, <laughs> you know. I mean, just those basics because we talk about en- having empathy and discipline, but the other part of that is be fair and firm with people so they then they trust you. She's always fair, she's firm, she's clear, she tells me what I have to do, what I can't do, and she she enforces it. You know, Bill Marriott told me years ago the only way you get excellence is education and enforcement, train them and, ed- and then enforce it because. A lot of managers don't enforce their own policies. I've been guilty of that. So that's why we hear about consequences of it. Yes. And that's that's the hard part. It's hard. You need accountability to like, and then it becomes a habit and then it becomes more natural. It's really, it's really hard probably the first few times, but then it gets probably easier and becomes more of a habit once you get into that culture of enforcement and accountability. It does. And, you know, kids are the, they they can figure out all the loopholes. <laughs> so they're waiting for you not to enforce <laughs> or not to say it clearly or not to be clear with them. And uh, 
So yeah, yeah, and um, that's great. So you've worked with so many leaders, whether at Disney or otherwise. Are there any particular moments that stand out to you? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're always having these things where people do inappropriate things, uh, you know, and it's getting better, I think, but it's still sexual harassment, still a big problem out mm. there in the world and dealing with those people and often usually having to terminate them. People that have so many personal problems that they have trouble being a good leader at work. Yes, They got credit card companies calling them, their wives calling them, they're losing their house, They too much drinking, too much alcohol. I mean, yeah. I would, when you add alcohol today to the formula, a lot of people get in a lot of trouble very quickly, make a lot of bad decisions. And those are hard. People said, ask me, what's the hardest job in your whole career? And I said, dealing with people. Roller coasters are not a problem. <laughs> it's the human. Right. Because every person is so unpredictable. And unless you're clear with them and get a really tight uh, culture going where people understand clearly what you do and what you don't do here, you end up with these uh, poor judgments. And that's what 99% of the problems I had at Disney were getting people not behaving. You know, I mean, people that know better. But so unless you like to deal with people, probably don't want to be in this business. Because and by the way, guests at Disney and Hilton and Marriott, they're very, they're very demanding. Right. They're, they're paying. They've saved their money. I mean, they'll work you over and you've got to have the energy to deal with that. And let it go and solve that and turn them around. I said, I want everybody to be happy so they'll give me their credit card. That's all I need. (laughs) Well, that doesn't happen and you don't provide that experience. And then they're not going to come back again. And and then also, I mean, who would want to be the one to to ruin like, you know, a vacation over something so trivial that could be solved? So yeah, when I get a mother that can't see Cinderella with her daughter, I've got a big problem. (laughs) Let me tell you, a four-year-old, it's the biggest dream in their life or to see Mickey or to, I mean, I told people, you think you got problems? I got to deal with mothers that are looking for Cinderella and they've been there before because there's nothing in the world that makes parents happier than their kids being happy. Nothing. Yeah, I would agree with you. The other day, uh, we're around Christmas time right now, and uh, I drove up to Santa's tree farm, which is not super close to here. It's a ways away, but there is a Santa's tree farm, and it said on their Facebook that Santa was going to be there. And we got there, and like, oh, Santa called off. I'm like, what? I could go to Santa's tree farm. And just, but I pivoted. I hadn't built it up too much to them, and they they didn't know any different. And I just adapted my expectations. And I'm like, isn't it so great to be here? <laughs> like, let's just go with it. And oh, so I, I just winged it, and you know, we went with it, and you know, didn't make a big deal of it, and you know, just have to move on. You, you know, and, and that you have you're going to have disappointments in life, but I think you just have to like pivot and move on. But yes, if you, if you were at Disney and you <laughs> you would definitely want to see Cinderella, but. Mickey's Some, not here this year. Okay. Uh, no, but it's true that obstacles are just every day and people right. who learn to roll with them and good deal with them are going to be happy because that's all you deal with all day are obstacles. Yes. I mean, literally starting from whether your alarm went off or the coffee maker works to their traffic to, I mean, it's like, 
And that's why you want to hire those kind of people, people who are really can handle obstacles, because that's the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, and we always interview that way. Tell me about a time when you had to do this or that, and you listen to how they handle it. Mm. And people who are good at handling obstacles, they just make it happen. They figure it out. They go the extra mile. And people who can't do it, they can't. They they just don't have any explanation for how they handled something difficult. You know, there's people who get to work in the snowstorm and there's people who don't. (laughs) uh, Well, I think it's almost like those that can't deal with it, they don't feel empowered to do it. And often I've found, at least in my leadership journey, then often those folks are more of the victim mindset that life is happening to them and they don't have the control and they don't want to take the control to change change the trajectory. Absolutely. And when you hear those... I couldn't get it done. You know which one when you interview five people, which one to hire, because the one who can get it done will be will will clarify for you that they'll go all the way. Yeah, Uh, they'll get it. If they got to park their car and walk through the field and catch a bus, they're going to be there. And the other guy is going to say, well, you know, there was traffic. Um, Yeah. That's a big I have difference. Starbucks in my hand. <laughs> ah, exactly. They're kind of meeting with someone, and they're like, "I'm late," and then there's, but they have a Starbucks in their hand. There's another traffic. I, I just always think that's the funniest thing. But um, yeah, and this is just things we got to talk about more. Yeah. That uh, reliability and a good attitude will get you really far in life. You yeah. know. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, the only two things mothers worry about in their whole life, which leaders should be worrying about is for their kids. The only two things you're going to worry about with your daughter are safety and education. That's it. <laughs> That's going to be your thing. And in work, if we worried about safety, and I mean, uh, mental safety, that I'm taking care of you, you're special, you're, I'm training you, I care about you. And then that education piece, and it makes people feel safe. Somebody, you know, everybody wants to matter. Yeah. When you make people matter, they, I mean, and when I wrote this piece about the world's changed, have you, it's not about just a job and paycheck. It's about, you care about me. You're going to train me. What's in it for me? That's what employers ought to be telling people when they try to hire them. What I'm going to get for you, not what I just need from you. And if you don't do that going forward, you're not going to have the right team. What's Mm -hmm. in it for me? And, uh, so that this shift in thinking is hard for a lot of executives because it came on so fast. It, it did. Came out, yeah. It came out of nowhere, and they go, "Whoa, what happened here?" And uh, yeah, I do find though I'm I'm um I call I guess I'm called like a zennial. So I'm like half Gen X, half millennial, and so I'm old school and new school. I didn't have a cell phone in high school, which is cool. It makes me like it makes me a little bit more adaptable and stuff. But I do find. With the latest generation, if they do have a sense of purpose, though, they are super fired up. You have to have a why. and You have to have a story and like a reason why. But you probably already kind of did that. Were there what type of techniques or did you have anything in particular? How would you express a why to 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 motivate those that were, were working under you? Well, I think you've got to figure out what they're, you know, when I talk about Disney, it'd be easy to say, well, that's Disney. No, but you're really, you're fulfilling one of maybe a person's biggest vacation in their life. The excitement, they've been saving for three years. You you got families coming here that this will be the biggest thing they ever did in their life. Children who are, and we say fantasy is real for children. And this whole make those expectations come clear. It's not like just going out to dinner. This is a big deal. 
And we try to, why do we do what we do? We do it for the couple that got engaged here. We do it for the family who brings their kid who uh, has a disability and it's a big deal to him. And we do it for the parents that come together with the grandparents and the kids that have a family thing together. And to remember that uh, this is a, and I think try to get nurses to think that way. Teachers, what are you doing? You're you're yeah. developing the next people that are going to either have a great life or not. You know, mothers are mothers and fathers are kind of the first firewall to get your kid developed. Teachers are the second. Yes. Huge influence. Yes. And then when you think about being in the hospital, nurses will either, it, your life may be depend on how great the nurse is that cares about you and uh, checking on you. I asked a nurse one day, I said, what do you do? She said, I keep the doctor from killing you. And uh, <laughs> so my wife was in the hospital 64 days. And I can tell you the difference between a great nurse who cares and a nurse who just, it's a job, huge. You're, you get very insecure when you don't have people who will show you they know what they're doing and they care about your wife and your, and I think that thing is that you're doing something that, uh, and I think a lot of people are going to have to think about what they do too. I mean, do you want to sell cigarettes? You know, (laughs) there's a lot of people in the petroleum business saying, do I really want to do this? I mean, I know we need it, but do I want to be attached to this or, and the more and more kids are picking things that have more uh, purpose in life that they know that can really know they're helping. My grandson the other day is a biomedical engineer. He told me he never wants to become insensitive to his patients. Right. Just, Just for the product, get it done, make money, selling the new whatever. He's working on the robotic machine, yes. you know, robotic surgery. He said, I never want to become insensitive to my patients, which can happen. Right. If too ambitious and you doing it for the money and the fame and your title and the company car. And and that's, I think, uh, teaching kids to have that, uh, that humility and that purpose in life and feeling good about what they do. That's, yeah. That's important because a lot of people get older and are miserable they just don't know what they did in life they just what what difference did I make interestingly enough it's uh why I founded my own firm is I found that there was just so many commercial agencies that were so concerned about how big a deal is going to be and that all kinds of things but I've been able now to over my decade take someone who's maybe just has like a little tiny office, but we were right fit for each other. And like, you know, they were really appreciative. I enjoyed working for the client and I enjoyed, so my two check marks for anything I take on, I have to like the client and enjoy them. And I have to enjoy what I'm working on, but I've been able to take them all the way to where maybe they buy their own, you know, property, or maybe they go on and eventually do like an investment property. But I think if you get too stuck on like the dollar signs and the prestige and and all those types of things, and you get you forget about the people, and don't yeah. become a big deal. <laughs> don't think you're hot stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do big deals, and people are like, "How did you get that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Like it just <laughs> it just happens, but it, it doesn't it doesn't define me." So, oh, and uh, people like working with you. I mean. I, that's why a lot of people are leaving corporate life. They don't feel like they have any authority. They don't have any uh, yeah. ability to touch people in a way they would want to. There too many policies. It's all bottom line. It's like, I mean, I must tell you, I love what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally. Love. Uh, yeah. And people ask me, don't you miss Hilton or Marriott or Disney? I said, no, not really. I mean, I 
No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just part of your journey to, to where, where you're at today. And so one, one thing I wanted to ask you is like, which was your first book that you, you put together? It's Creating Magic. Tim okay. Tom. That was your Disney first one. Disney approved that and let me put Disney on the cover and all that. They've never done that before. So I was shocked. And uh, Disney Institute still gives out my book. And it's really, it's used in universities and colleges all over the country now because it's, I mean, it's just logical. And students today don't want theory. They want you to tell them how to do it. Practicality is the new, you know, theory. They're, they're tired of theory. And we've got a course for University of Northern Arizona, an online course, a certificate course for students, and they get one credit or two credits. And the students tell us it's the best course they took the whole four years because wow. it, it's about how to hire people, how to fire people, how to have hard conversations, how to take care of yourself, uh, these things that uh, you need to. And I think with the Disney background, it's believable, too, because people, well, we know Disney executes well, so I want to know how to do it. And so uh, don't I always tell you, don't underestimate your influence. You know things. And you. And I said, if you know something, you ought to be teaching it, you know, and. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And you left all these different breadcrumbs, all these different places like and that leaves like clues. But because you had such a great, you know, rapport with them. And, you know, you retired, you moved on, but they're, they're willing to help you. So I think sometimes people too forget whether you're a patient or an employee or something that it, it goes both ways. Absolutely. And, and in that you never know what your good deeds or lack thereof will come to roost later on. <laughs> oh yeah. I, you know, I, meet and try to help anybody I can. I met a college kid one day, wanted to get an internship at Disney and finance, and I helped him get it. And five years later, his father hired me. His dad was a big CEO of some company. And so you never know where the, all the connections are. They just arrive. And uh, yeah, your reputation's about all you got. That's your brand, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah, I have to read that that book. And you'll it. like it. You'll like it a lot. And let me once you get it, let me know. And I'll send. By the way, send me an email, and I'll send you some other things you might be able to use in your business. It's the yeah. practicality. Of yeah. how. After reading a few different books from Disney, we have what's called like a client experience that we we work to to deliver here, which I think is completely different than what anybody. And we consider ourselves advisors, not agents, and it's it's more of a. It, it's just, it's a different thing. It's like a brand and that's, that's how we, we have a way of doing things. So and it's different, but that's okay. Disney was different, right? <laughs> so than everything else out there. When you treat people right and you have the right product, people will pay more for it. And that is true. People will pay more for excellence than they will for average. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. You, if you, you've probably been on some pitches with me then. So they asked me, they're like, everybody else said it's this. And I'm like, well, th this is the, we're different. So it is what it is, but wow. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to, to discuss? Well, the, the podcast is all about having a resilient performance, you know, mindset, you know, continuing to, to achieve that like excellence. And so I think we've talked a lot about different examples that kind of go back to that. Is there anything particular you'd want to say on that? Well, I think what you're doing the podcast, you're helping people. I mean, my podcast, we've got 400 episodes wow. over eight years and they're little 15 minute snippets of 
Oh, yeah. And you might not use that today, but all knowledge pays off later. What, in two weeks from now, oh, yeah, or what you read or keeping up with what's going right. on. You never know when it comes. It's it's laying up there in your brain waiting to help you one day. That's why I tell people, keep learning, keep reading, keep listening to podcasts. I mean, and the world yeah. is getting, world's getting really complex, but stay focused on people. Don't worry about technology so much. Worry about people. Right. Most technology doesn't work well. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's frustrating. And yeah. we don't balance it. I said, and balance people with data. Don't be careful about getting over, you know, using statistics and data. Focus on people. People are, uh, un- you don't ever know. People are not machines. They, uh, they are, they are loyal to you until they're not. And if you're, right. lo- you know, if you're committed to them, they're going to stay with you. And uh, it's a simple thing. I said, if right. I tell my wife I love her every day, she doesn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> so. Appreciate people and help them. Help people get better. That's all. And everything matters, as you know, in your business. Everything matters. All the little things are what go out in their head when they leave your office or deal with you. Wow, that was different in this way. They don't even know why it was so different because everything was right. Right. And (laughs) if I have somebody who's not right on my team and that causes dissonance and friction and you don't want that and so i think the the big thing is to to have the perseverance to to do those small things and people disappoint you and you got to deal with it i mean it's your business and it's your customers and it's your reputation that's probably the most valuable thing you have is what people are saying about you behind your back Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is a good subject. It's yeah, great. great. We, need to, yeah. we need to talk about it more. Yep. We need better parents and we need better leaders out in the world. And uh, yep. they're all, they're connected. Yeah. So. Uh, well, yeah, this is a great conversation. I really very much enjoyed it. If somebody wants to talk to you more about what you do or continue on the conversation or anything like that, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, I put every everything I do is on my website, leecockerell.com. And everything's there. The website's there. The the podcast is there. You can buy books there if you want. You can hear some of my speech. I said, I'm getting old, so I put everything in one place so I know where it is. I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I just keep that up to date, and then everything's there and whatever they're interested in. That's where it talks about my speaking and my, my consulting or whatever people are interested in. Yeah. yeah. So. And my phone number's on the site and my address, and you can call me. I answer my phone. People say, Lee, why do you answer your phone? I said, because I book more business that way. <laughs> you know, most people, and I know you, you know this, don't answer their phones. Oh, I didn't they recognize don't. your number I answered. Uh, I, that's one of my competitive advantages. So I hope none of my competitors are listening. <laughs> so, right. They're but, not going to do it because they're not committed. And what what's 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 a few minutes if it's not a right fit? It's it's no big deal. And I mean it's just better just to pick up the phone and and answer it. And if, if it's nights and weekends, sometimes I'll say, Hey, I don't recognize this number. You know, yeah. can I reach back out to you on, on Monday or is it pressing? And you know, but I think communication is key. Yeah. Uh, I don't want you calling somebody else because I didn't answer. <laughs> People have no patience today. They need somebody next week, they'll just move on. So that is so true. Well, awesome. You have had a life that's rich in, in experience. I so appreciate you sharing everything with us. And 
for those of you listening, please be sure to like, subscribe, share all the different things so we can continue to get the word out. And we'll have a coffee one day. Yes, yes. Yes.